0: Welcome to Mundine's Truth Talking. A few weeks ago, the Productivity Commission released its report and recommendations on an Indigenous evaluation strategy. The report starts with the following statement. Policies and programs that affect Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are not working as well as they need to. Part of the problem is that there is little evidence about what is working, what isn't, where and for whom. The executive summary opens with the following statement. After decades of developing policies and programs designed to improve the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we still know little about their impacts or how outcomes can be improved. Don't mind the polite language. What the Productivity Commission has concluded is this. We have no idea of what most indigenous programs are working. We have no idea if the billions spent improving Indigenous lives is doing any good. Take one look at the woeful results of the Closing the Gap strategy for over a decade, and Blind Freddy can tell you they are not. The Productivity Commission has called for a complete overhaul of the billions spent on Indigenous programs. It has made recommendations on a framework for evaluating programs in the future. But tonight I want to take a step back. How can we move forward if we don't know what's working, what's not, and why? In the past, I called for a complete audit of Indigenous programs. How is money being spent? What is being achieved? Tonight I got the good, the bad, and the ugly back together again to talk about this idea. My guest are Nancy Guevara, former multimedia journalist and executive director of MERS, a communications PR marketing and media company, James Williams, entrepreneur and advisor to corporates and government. And of course, the ugly Darren Good- Goodwell, You're CEO okay. of Eye to Eye Global. And the first question is. Do we need a total audit of Indigenous programs and spending? And what should it be focused on? You, you want to have a go, Nancy? Let's go. Uh,
1: that's a really big question, Warren. Um, <laughs> do we need a complete audit of Indigenous programs uh, and their outcomes? Uh, look, I think it's such a complex one that um, You'd have to, well, for me and for for the observations that I've made about Indigenous policies and programs and impacts in the time that we have been uh, basically, government has been directing funding since probably 67 towards those programs, I would think that there'd be enough information out there now, given the number of um, Aboriginal organisations and Um, different policy program reviews, evaluations, reports that have been done through various mechanisms over the years to be able to um, um, hopefully um, not have to set up yet another institution um, that would, um, I think, um, maybe conduct reports or outcomes that may not be used again. So I think that um, it's a bit of a complex question, but I, I feel like, haven't haven't we done enough research over all these years to to actually know what does work or what doesn't work and shouldn't we just be going to our communities and our community organisations to find out because they're often saying that that's what they want. They want to be included in the decisions and share in the ways that we address the challenges in our community and that's what they're constantly saying and I feel like if we did that, then perhaps the pathway to evaluating whether or not those services work might be a bit more smoother.
0: Yeah. Okay, bad James. What do you reckon? <laughs>
1: uh,
2: thanks, Warren. Um, look, I, I, I think it's five hundred and something pages of a uh, well-written, you know, um, uh, you know, bespoke discussion on evaluation and the need for it. Uh, it talks in very broad terms about a strategy. It doesn't define, to my level of satisfaction. Um, a detailed framework, which is what I was expecting, or a methodology around what an evaluation, uh, you know, um, you know, framework should do in terms of indigenous programs and so on. Um, but it it actually stops. It doesn't. I think it's not enough. I think, uh, as Nancy was saying, it, it does the same thing that we've always done, which is we write a whole lot of stuff and very detailed work. I'm sure. With some people that are incredibly invested in the process, um, um, describing something as if it's the new panacea, the new horizon for the next ten years, as as we've had other panaceas introduced ten years ago, you know, um, you know, and it'd be the same thing. We we actually focus on evaluation as the panacea and the solution, um, and in my view, it's not. Um, it, we have fundamentally. You know an execution problem we don't um and we don't understand what what drives execution which drives um you know the behaviors that we need that's necessary to to give indigenous people the opportunity and 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 the options that they can actually flourish and grow whether that's in a social context cultural context or economic context the execution problem the the whole framework and our approach from government we we're effectively militating against potential success in fact we're actually walking down a path where i think we'll fail the same way because we look at evaluation as the new panacea the new new solution any any framework any any program any policy needs a good evaluation methodology from the start to finish that's that's not rocket science but it doesn't solve the problem um uh you know that we we probably need to start thinking more about driving performance and what is it that we want and what performance looks like. Um, and maybe that's what they're talking about in the evaluation stuff, but I wasn't wasn't compelling. I actually, um, as I gleaned through the report, I didn't see anything that um, really True. stuck out to me that said, this is really amazing. Um, so yeah, I think we'll talk about that more, but um, that's probably the beginning for me.
0: Um, OK, I thanks, James, for that. Okay, um, uh, Darren, we'll get you in on here, uh, and uh, then after that, let's just open it up, and you can just jump in and out as as you please as we as we go through this conversation. Okay, so you know, do we do, do we need this audit, and and if we if we do, then what is its focus, and what does it needs to do, and and if we don't, then what should we be doing? Okay, Darren,
3: I think. Um, I think where we are right now is we already have a pretty fair idea about you know that things aren't going the way we want to go. So, if the purpose of an audit is to ascertain you know what's what's happening, then I, I agree with Nancy. You know that's that's been done to death, literally. Um, it, it surprises it surprises me that in the framing of this work that um, the productivity commission didn't actually uh, unleash. Some of those most powerful forces for change that we have in in, in modern society, and that is the power of the market. Um, we didn't see a lot of talk in the 517 pages about how to use market-based outcomes and spending from the public sector to achieve what you want. And uh, and it's almost now we start to get this kind of weird kind of world created in on itself that because I. I tell you, you get 200 pages into a report like this and you've forgotten everything else that came before it and you're trying for dear life to get to the 517th page. But one of the things that surprises me is that we're not talking and, and looking at the prospects of the, the government as a purchaser of outcomes. And, and the government should step into the marketplace and say so this is the outcome we want. We want 10,000 jobs created in regional Australia we're going to put aside $100 million. Is there anybody in in the free market? Is there anyone in the private sector, anybody in the community sector that really thinks they could have a go at creating those jobs? And if you do, then the money's yours. Um, we've seen a lot of work internationally around impact investing. We've seen a lot of work for pay for outcomes. Um, it seems like these incredible opportunities have just, you know, just floated past Indigenous affairs um and the other thing which i which i struggled with too is is as i was going through the the, the report is where was the accountability i mean hmm. where was where was where was the accountability for 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 the funding that you were given or for the proposal that you made that you sought the funding on on the first in the first place i, I wonder um, it's a cute line i know it could it's going to sound glib but i wonder if we've not misplaced accountability with accountancy. And so instead <laughs> of looking at outcomes, people are busy you know, adding up the books and the ledger and adding up the you know the little bits and pieces that go into it. And everybody's being fantastic and, and getting super efficient about being an accountant, but nobody's remembered that they should have been looking at accountability and measuring the outcomes. So I really do hope that, you know, obviously through discussions like this, that we start to say, hang on now, when is government going to exercise the purchasing power it has of a, what is it, $5 billion a year spend?
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's a lot of money to be spending for very poor outcomes. I mean, if you send me down to, to Bunnings with $5 billion, I will come home with stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> mate you sound like
0: me when i go down to bunnings the wife's always up with me because i always i'm going down to get a screwdriver and i come back with a lawn mowers and a whipper snipper and a and a whole lot of other stuff which i'm
2: sure mr bunnings would love So, yeah sorry james go on huh? <laughs> uh, sorry warren I, I was going to say that mm-hmm. Coming off the point that Darren's mm-hmm. talking about, particularly around accountability, it's it's very interesting because I sort of when I thought about it today, and I was was reading the document, I thought, okay, so it does it talks about evaluation, it, and you know we all know data is good. We know that having a good baseline, framing how we yeah. we want to, um, you know, what sort of outcomes and performance and benefits we want from the investment, um, you know, starting from policy straight into our programs, and 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 obviously how we operationalize or implement that through our supply chain. All of those things government understands and to some extent we've collected data but but sporadically and not systematically that tells the whole narrative. And so perhaps there is a case from the strategy that we need to be more systematic and systemic in the way that we use data. So we understand the whole life cycle of performance and that it needs to start from somewhere and end somewhere. But as Darren said, there's no accountability. Now the issue of course with accountability is accountability relates to performance. And when you think about performance, where's the program project management framework? That because it has to deliver something, you have to understand what your outcomes, your benefits from 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 the front, and you have to drive it through a performance framework to, to get to get the outcomes. That we don't we don't think about performance. We don't think about risk. Um, and what's really fundamental to all of this is that this issue around accountability is that where there's no performance, who where's the consequence where's the consequence and I think this is the point like if you think about where the how market models operates as Darren mentioned market model operates as consequence to failure as much as there's consequence to think successful but when you think about from and, and this is breaking it apart again you've got you've got the political side and this is the politicians and the leaders that actually frame the discussion as a as as, as, a, as a policy uh you know mandate by the by, by the government of the day either supported or not supported by the opposition so you've got the political side now political leaders are accountable because they get elected every year uh, not every year rather every four years or so you know there's, there's an election cycle so, that, so we could argue there's mar- there's some level of accountability to the market we know that the community if they don't get good outcomes from program performance so the benefits doesn't flow in the right way into those communities the options that should be available to them is not and therefore there's no outcome and so there's a degree of accountability, or that at least they account for the consequence of poor performance. So they they either get a benefit or a disbenefit from from as a result of that investment. When you look at the bureaucracy in the middle, or that service ecosystem that's supposed to deliver that, where's the accountability? Who loses their jobs over poor performance? Misinvestment. You know we, we, we um if we don't get the result then 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 how is it that we the, the very system that 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 actually has the greatest amount of leverage and, and 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 to deliver this is not accountable for its failure to deliver that performance or benefit that we expect um and and i, and I find that incredible because it, it comes back to the same discussion i've sort of mentioned in previous points where i think that inherently one of the issues with the public sector and so if you think about the, the evaluation problem is that the public sector has what I call a supply bias, and that is that their inherent bias is to deliver services. But they don't have to account for what the market wants because ultimately they their right hand takes the money off you to pay their left hand to deliver the service. Um, so they draw revenue through taxation, um, they pay themselves, and they deliver service back to you. Um, the market can't turn around after they've delivered something to you to say, well, actually, I'm going to take my, my options, my preference, my money and go somewhere else. And so this inherent problem means that the the, the focus around valuation, I think, should be flipped around. I think we should be focusing on how we deliver a type of mechanism that holds the, the mechanism that delivers it accountable because it should do what the market does. Which is holds you account that if you're not making the coffee I want at the price that I want, I can go somewhere else. And 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 right now, Indigenous people don't have an option. They actually don't. Um, other than the fact that you know, maybe sometimes we say, well, if the CDP or you know the job service programs, a job service provider model is not working, they go to market every couple of years. But in reality, they're so big that you know there's other factors that influence that that make sure that the people that are delivering the service whether your government purchases it or government is doing itself is that you're so they're so big and so complex that it's hard to hold them accountable and to change the model so they just keep on going with the usual people there's there's just there's just not enough you know dynamism in that marketplace to actually really um incentivize the right sort of behavior so so I don't think it's indigenous people that should be incentivized I think the people that should be doing it should be incentivized but they're not they're not incentivized to perform
0: yeah. <clears throat> excuse me uh, I, I, look when I first got to be chair of the prime ministers indigenous advisory council in 2013 I this in December when I, just after the election it, I, I I wanted to have an audit done because I wanted to know what was done out there I wanted to know uh, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel and do what previous regimes had done, and they just regurgitate, regurgitate. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know what were the outcomes were happening, and then we. I wanted to know how we chopped through this and actually put in a very uh, a business-like approach. The problem I have, and this is what this 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 uh, audit type processes is they put up. It's like the planning of the planning of the plan. Of the study of the plan for the evaluation of the study, you know, and and this is what we've been doing for, for what forty years, fifty years, and I just and that's, I just make it crazy. Now, look, uh, yeah, it, the thing I see is that you, the public service and and the politicians and the ac- academia, and this is what they do. They, they they do research. They do all this stuff. Now the productivity commission in the past has done some wonderful uh, uh, research, and they put it on the on the table in Parliament, and that's what happens with it. Mm. And, and and that's it. And, and and I've seen some incredible research they've done with incredible stuff, and no one does anything with it. They just keep on regurgitating and regurgitating and planning and plan. Oh, we have got to set up a committee to look at the research that was done, so we can start planning to look at the plan that they're suggesting so we can do a study of that plan. And it just goes on and on and on. And you're you're right, James, that we should be looking at, uh, okay, what are the needs? Focusing, you know, like uh, in a commercial sense, really, what are are the needs of the people out there? What do they want? And for a, a crude term, I say the customer, what do they want? And what do they need? And actually delivering that. And the second sometimes they did that in the past, but they forgot the second part. The second part, if you didn't do it, and this is where your point comes in, there's no accountability. Like there's none. Like I you know, I could sit in the sit in the public service or I could sit in the in the minister's office till the cows come home doing this stuff and spending money and doing things. Yeah. And and, and and if they fail or nothing happens or nothing changes, well, I'm still sitting in that office in the public service or the or the minister's office, and nothing happens. Well,
3: mm-hmm. if I could use an example about the mm-hmm. focus on performance and paying for outcomes, mm-hmm. so. Uh, it, it might surprise some people that Indigenous affairs is not unique in the world when it comes to a, to a public <laughs> sector <laughs> And And uh, some of the things that we're looking for as outcomes are, are not unique to or peculiar to Indigenous Australians. So in the international development sector, um, they very much have mechanisms in place to, to, to deliver accountability. And so they will very much monitor the contractor uh, and obviously their efficiency which is are they using the money uh, effectively are we securing the outcome that we purchased that we said at the beginning of the process we wanted to buy and then when they get to the end of the the contract they go okay then let's from an accountability perspective let's also look at how the performance of the contractor went and and that's really important because they rank those contractors then and so the next tender process that comes around as the contractors present themselves, those that have been there m- more frequently, they will have a rating um, and they will rate that contractor's ability to deliver based on previous performance on previous contracts. And so, this is a, a really important element of which James's point around performance and accountability, and you link those two together. Um, and when it comes to making that determination, there's some very well established mechanisms within the corporate sector and the public sector about how to set some metrics to to ascertain how a a contractor is going in in its delivery. And it's about time we we stopped doing studies and evaluations and we started bringing in a lot of those things because some of the biggest cries for help around accountability and outcomes are Indigenous peoples and Indigenous community sector organisations. And, yeah, we we joked maybe it's been 30 years, maybe it's been 40 years. Um, I reckon it's been much longer than that. That the Indigenous community sector and Indigenous organisations have said, give us a crack at delivering on these Mm -hmm. services for the money that you're handing out to these other non-Indigenous entities. Just give us parity to do the same work in the same areas. And they are more than competent and capable and confident about being able to outperform. Nancy, you would have seen this across lots of sectors.
1: Uh, Yeah, I have. And I think coming from a marketing perspective, you know, and I can see why you want an audit, um, Warren, is because, you know, if you're going to do something, then you've got to, from the outset, what you need to do is work out what you're trying to achieve. So I think sometimes we're not very good at identifying what it is we're trying to achieve. And there's so many different levels of impact that can be had from government policies and programs from, you know, we're looking at um so a nationwide level of um um inequity um, and yet at, at the ground roots at the at the grassroots the the solution for the for them might be different to another community and when we actually evaluate it in a way that is universal i don't think so i think that the the solutions to some of the challenges that our communities are facing are, are they're different because there's, we're all living in different circumstances with different levels of historical uh, treatment and so I, I sometimes think that you know looking at it at that top level um, fails to recognise where we ha- where things have worked um, and at other points it you know it doesn't recognise where we're just uh, acquitting I think is the right word yeah. acquitting our processes and um, and fulfilling compliance requirements, and I think James mentioned that before, um, in order for the government to prove that it hasn't um, taken a risk with public, you know, with public monies, which they they do across the board. So, um, you know, I think that um, if we were to look at what works, and I know that some of the reports that we do 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 that, um, you know, the Overcoming Disadvantages Report, for example, Right. Um, does identify some of the programs that works. But those solutions may not be the same or needed in each every or every community. So it really does need a localised solution, I think, for, for some of the things that we're trying to achieve. But yeah, as a marketer, you do an audit, you work out what you're trying to achieve, get that number to something else, and then once you've gone through your set of processes, at the end you do your audit again, or you evaluate it, and then you sort of see whether or not you've done what you it's intended to do that sounds fairly simple but it seems to be something that's a bit elusive when you put in um, the bureaucracy in between that i think
0: yeah and their, their solution to this is i agree 100% with the Nancy. their their solution is that they they want to set up another bureaucracy Woo. to do to do the audit mm-hmm.
1: to do this stuff love-
0: <laughs> Which is just madness. You, you, you know, you could go out to the private sector. You could go out and grab a, a, an Aboriginal group out there, like yourself, Nancy, or even Darren, or something like that, and and you just could do the audit, and you yeah. can come back and and go from there. This idea that we set up another bureaucracy is right. like it's just mind boggling. You know, we, we've got more bureaucracies than you can poke a stick at in yeah, Indigenous hello. affairs. Yep. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I wonder if a radical suggestion might be, and this happens sure. in industry where you're in the contracting business, is that there's some industry kind of parameters about what's an acceptable admin as a percentage of the overall in the delivery.
2: Try.
3: Now you 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 can go you know you can go hell for leather and and get a big fat margin, um, but if all your competitors are, are doing less than that, then you quickly find it pulls people back to an acceptable industry level i wonder if a radical suggestion right now is we don't turn around and we stipulate that there's going to be an 11 11 admin fee capped on all indigenous uh, funding starting with the public sector agency so if uh if it's a billion dollars that's set aside then 11 percent of a billion dollars is set aside for the admin fee for the bureaucracy and then uh that's it uh if they want to spend more than that they find another way to do it and if we cap that amount of administration, and say, listen, this this has just gone beyond a joke. Uh, you know, we we see more money appropriated to Indigenous affairs, and we see more money going into to, to places other than frontline service delivery. Yeah.
0: And you're right there too, because there was a productivity report that was done what, 2013. 20. 20- 2014 that actually said that that most of the money doesn't well uh, about half the money doesn't even get out of canberra it's run into the bureaucracy and then another 25 percent doesn't even get out of sydney or melbourne or perth or the capital cities and uh, and and so you're getting this pittance actually hitting the ground so look look, i agree with this argument from from what we hear from people and all of us have been across the country from the community saying hey we want to do this. We want to do these things. So let us do it and get on with the job. And let's have accountability around that. And we actually, in that capping part, is is brilliant. This is what happens in business. They sit there, and go, oh, "We're gonna, we're gonna build a bridge." They'd be shocked if they found out that you know, eight hundred million dollars, that billion dollars, is still sitting in the head office, paying for salaries of people that do reports. Yep, it's <laughs> it's rather than the money actually being. Bed on the bridge, uh, so this is this is the madness of it all. So look, uh, I, I, th- it is a radical change. They need to really stop talking about the bubble, Canberra or Sydney or Melbourne or whatever, and actually, and you and you said it quite good actually, Nancy. Every community is different. You know, uh, look, I look at uh, Bad James up there in the Torres Strait. See, they're different. <laughs> Than the ugly people in Brisbane like Darren and, and the good people like Nancy. We got all these, uh, we got all these, and that's one of the papers I did for the, for Malcolm Turnbull, as prime minister. We said we have to regionalise this. Mm. Mm. Uh, I didn't describe what the region is. I just said regionalise. And we're looking at if remote community are different than people living in Dubbo to people living You know, on Thursday Island, the people who's living in Eastern Kimberleys and or Mm. or the Pilbara, and we've got to start having that, you know, having that approach and that that attack Mm. to these things. Mm. The other thing that's interesting now, and 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 I think we spoke about this before, uh, is the private sector, actually, the indigenous private sector, is more than the five billion dollars that the state, the federal government spends. Mm. Right, more. And yeah. so, so, so are we doing a, a futile exercise here now, where the Aboriginal business sector is just running away with it?
1: Mm. In a very in a much shorter period of time, in terms of the investment in that sector as well, yeah, in, in, yes. in the, in
2: the growth of that sector. That is, yeah, yeah. very. Good Nancy and and Warren and Darren where I think it's really interesting in this whole situation particularly on evaluation performance and you know benefits or value that's that gets delivered is that there's probably a couple of things one for me is that what are we actually evaluating then are we evaluating performance of the the service ecosystem that's supposed to transform and create the the options that actually ultimately indigenous people leverage and then their circumstance transforms or are we evaluating and focusing on the behavioural transformational or change or shift in, in social, cultural and economic circumstance for Indigenous people. Because I thought closing the gap was just that. Every year we capture data that tells us that Indigenous people didn't go anywhere, that socially, culturally and economically, no movement. So that's a form of evaluation framework that's been around for some time. The issue of course is that, I think this is the broader issue that I think the paper also doesn't address is that, is it talking about evaluating performance of the service ecosystem? Because that's very different from the transformative benefits. So we get the benefit of behavioral shift or or change that occurs with indigenous circumstances. But that's a consequence of the stimulus coming through the service that it's supposed to deliver that allows indigenous people to leverage and and get a benefit. But it's still also their behavior associated with that. And policy has to understand both. Because policy has to understand the stimulus um, and 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 the inputs that's required to generate that but then also has to understand the dynamic of a community, about individuals, about societies, and how they transform and change, leveraging those things, because what they don't have, we want to be able to ensure that they do, to, to, to stimulate and drive that growth in the right way. So we're, we're trying to grow, and, or at least give Indigenous people options so that through their leadership and their agency, that they grow and their circumstances change, whether it's an individual level, that's on a you know, community level, um, you know, um, or or a state or national level. So I, I think these are the things that are really confused and are not not set in any way. That doesn't. That there's no narrative, or 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 there's no differentiation that we, we're we actually not being discerning enough to actually speak about those things in a strategy, which I find curious as well.
1: Mm, look, I think some one of the things that left out of this evaluation framework is the fact that, you know, a lot of the difficulty in getting towards equity with other Australians is the fact that there's systemic discrimination against mm-hmm. us even today. So that's another factor that how can an evaluation strategy measure that or how will it cope with the fact that the responsibility for the inequities isn't always with us in terms of the programs that we're running or in our Indigenous affairs sector, there's also, um, you know, there's a responsibility from all those other departments and we're talking about the $5 billion in Indigenous strategy, but there's, you we to mention the, what is it, $295 billion that's spent in other areas of Australian government programs as opposed to this as well. So, you know, that little $5 billion billion dollars is a small drop in the ocean compared to what all those other departments are doing out there anyhow. And if all those other departments are spending $295 billion a year, and that how are they evaluating that? And why is it that our little five, you know, this the small amount that's dedicated to Indigenous advancement um is is under the microscope for why it's not you know working. And I don't know we've internally we we as Indigenous people, we we want to know where the money's going and why we're not getting outcomes for that. And I think, you know, we we keep saying the same thing. You know, there's systemic racism. We need to have shared decision making, um, and we need funding, appropriate funding, to be able to do those things. Uh, so, you know, just they're just some of the key things that I think are still relevant to the the, um, the policies and programs that we're working with today. Mm.
0: And, and you're right, Nancy, because uh, when you look at, say, education outcomes and you want to evaluate those programs, uh, yeah. then th- th- these are state things. And so why, and last time I looked at the Constitution, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people were citizens of this country. So why do we need to just be, and you're right, why should we not be, why should we just be focusing on that $5 billion? I, I said this in the 2014 budget round when everyone was just talking about the foot, it was $4 billion then. And mm-hmm. I said, why don't you look at the entire budget? Because the education budget is about educating us and our kids. The health budget is about providing health services for us and our kids. Uh, and, and the list, the list just keeps on going on and on and on. So so sometimes we just let ourselves get corralled into, into one little area and just focusing on that. I just want to uh, thanks, give thanks to the goodsource.news for hosting our live stream tonight. Uh If you want news you can trust, if you want media that isn't compromised by anti-everything narratives, you want the good source. Go to thegoodsource.news to hear from some of the best conservative thinkers in Australia and New Zealand to hear independent voices on a free speech platform. Now, let's let's, let's go go back into the, the talk here. So let's get to the elephant in the room. Does government have the courage to actually turn over every rock Do they have the courage to actually uh, get their hands off the the control of this and and let Aboriginal communities run their programs that they need to do themselves and be accountable for running those programs?
3: I want to pick up um, one of my themes, and that's being able to talk up Indigenous business and private enterprise. Um, And it goes to, to your question right now, Warren, about courage. And obviously there's an opportunity for Minister Ken Wyatt to show leadership on this. So there are two suggestions I'm going to make here. Um, firstly, on that $5 billion a year, um, you know, would the federal government have the courage to turn around and say, we will commit that a minimum of 50% of that total expenditure will go to indigenous community controlled organizations and indigenous businesses. And they can do that with a stroke of a pen. Um, they don't need, the Minister doesn't need anyone else's authority for that. Uh, the government doesn't need to consult with anyone with that. They could do that and they could turn around and say as part of the the, the recovery of the Australian economy from the 1st of January, 50% of the of the total budget uh, on Indigenous affairs will be spent with Indigenous organisations. Um, that alone would unlock an economic powerhouse within the community sector. Yeah. Uh, we see Indigenous um, p- employment skyrocket. And I'm sure we'd see Indigenous controlled education initiatives um, really get to scale, which is what we're aiming for. So that's the first suggestion. The other suggestion is this Indigenous procurement policy, which is now set at 1.25% of the value of of Commonwealth contracts. The ambition is to get to 3% in seven years' time. In seven years' time is before we get to that mandated minimum 3%. Now, The facts tell us that nearly two-thirds of all startup businesses fail within three years. So to be told to wait for seven years to get to 3% is literally thrown in the towel. So if we could see some courage around that Indigenous procurement policy, the courageous thing might be that the government would turn around and say we're going to bring that 3% target forward and that'll be effective on every new contract from the 1st of January 2021. Uh, two two very specific initiatives, which would do a mountain of good for Indigenous enterprise and business, because you would bring you would bring scale and volume to the market. It would allow those companies to build with uncertainty. It would bring market tension and competitive tension in, because suddenly there'd be a there would be a benefit. There would be a true reward for those that were great at doing what they could do, and so both of those things. Would be courageous, it seems, for the federal government, and yet both could be achieved with a stroke of a pen, and wouldn't cost the dollar uh, and the government an extra dollar on any of their current commitments. Full stop. Mm.
2: Darren, um, my 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 comments on that is, I agree. Um, I think what's interesting, though, is that part of the big challenge we have in, in this sort of situation is, um, uh, you know indigenous um in indigenous business and I've now lost my train of thought, Tom, sorry. Um um we've got actually can we come back to that Darren? Because I'm I'm I've completely lost my train of thought. I don't know how I did that. My my sincere apologies. It, it,
0: well you've got to stop f- killing flies, okay yeah I know <laughs> yeah, I, was, yeah. I was getting the mosquito. Yeah <laughs> I know sorry. Yeah, Nancy, um, Nancy, Nancy Nancy go I think it's a great point.
1: You know if you handed control over to Indigenous private <laughs> sector as well Darren but I mean what if we were to use the use that same money in our community controlled sector to solve yes. that mm-hmm. isn't you know it's sort of the same it's not the same thing because one's commercial and one's community control but yeah. those community controlled organizations have been there for a long time so shouldn't we be you know supporting them more I think one of the issues that we have in solving or, or getting to some sort of equity level is the fact that and I'm sure that you know I've I've been in government for years since the, the late 80s, right? I was in DAA, ATSIC. I was when they there when they crossed over in Canberra and Aboriginal hostels. I've worked in anyhow, um, the National Congress even. But what what I've noticed over lots of time over that period of time is it seems like the mechanisms that have worked well, we don't give them long enough to be able to settle in and to be able to have continuity for the programs that work before we suddenly all the rules change again, whether it's because of a government or whether it's because of a politician, a minister who's changed. And, and we're constantly dealing with this change and it makes it really, really difficult for us to be able to achieve something or to make even, how how long, and you know, with this evaluation strategy, I'm not sure if it's in there or not, but, you know, is it going to give and our um, our programs and the community orgs that are going to run them, um, the opportunity to let them settle in and to refine it and to you know to hone those those programs um, and the processes too, so that they can um, be able to I don't know just operate more efficiently um, over a longer period of time. It's that constant change of funding programs and the little bits of money that we get all the time to be able to try and get something something running i don't know if you've noticed but you know when you when you're doing one one program in some of the sectors that i've worked in you've got like you might have up to you know five maybe more different funding bodies you've got to quit for that i mean when you're focusing on all that compliance how can you you know it's really difficult for you to have your eye on the end game which is the outcomes because you know often these organizations are resource strapped um they've Sometimes volunteers working in them as well, you know people working outside the organization as well as those inside and we know that lots of indigenous um, 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 uh, Workers in these organizations, they're not all they're not in the middle management sector often They're at the bottom of those organizations and at the top of them and there seems to be you know That sort of high skilled project management level in the middle management. They're, they're often not at that level so um, if we could get a bit of consistency in the funding arrangements, like they do in the arts sector. I know that, you know, our key arts organisations, they get, I think, it's a four-year time frame in the, in the peak yeah. body to enable them to get work towards a longer-term planning. That's, that's an issue for our community-controlled organisations and for our yeah. programs as
0: well. And, and, and you're right. We do have some amazing organisations out there. The Aboriginal Medical Services, for instance, the community medical service sector, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's governance its operations and how they utilise their funds and mm. delivering health services and that out there is second to none. Mm. They do a really good job. Okay, there may be some mm. out there that are not, but you can weed them out. The, the vast, vast majority of them are doing a very good job. Mm. Uh, we need to resource them and about how do they, you know, innovate with different things. You know, like. I remember the big change that came in a few years ago when they started using that. Some of them were just working on grants. They they then started using the Medicare card. And I was I was listening to um, some of the medical services in the Northern Territory. And some of them said just by using the Medicare card, that they, they got an income growth of four million dollars mm. per annum. Yeah. And that and so, so 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 that's how good they are. And so we need to how do we work that and let them run their organisations in that? And yeah. so yeah, that. But I get back. So, so there's two attacks. One is that. So you're looking at the at the community sector and the great job that the Aboriginal Medical Service is doing. But we need to. How do we? How do we get that across to other areas in regard to like education and stuff like that? Yeah, there's a lot and of stability. That, in the, yeah.
1: sorry sorry. End I just wanted to make the point that there's a lot of stability in the health sector. You know. Yeah. You're, Places like Aboriginal Medical Service and there's been mm. Redfern and there's people who've been there since the start, um, mm. and I think that's you know one of the factors that enables their stability and enables them to be able to deliver effective programs.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's correct. And then getting back to uh, to to Darren's point, which is that uh, the 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 thing that's really going to make the difference is how do we, how do we get uh, co- community. Uh, communities that, to have their own small to medium businesses, yep. and how do we, how do we get uh, investment in there? Because we statistics we already know this statistics on a global stage from indigenous communities across the world, as w- well as the wider communities across the world, is that in in rural and remote areas, and even in cities, the biggest employers are small to medium businesses, and so so in the in so we need to, okay if we're going to create mm-hmm. economic prosperity in these communities and how do we get the investment in yep. how do we take the, the challenge of that investment in there and and build the capacity of those people to run their businesses and that's going to take a little bit of time i reckon three years is a good pace how do we support small because we know the first three years is, is crucial to small business yep. how do we support them to, uh, to get through that three-year period and build and build an industry. Then how do we, and I got this from the Catholics and I got this from uh, Croatians and other people, you notice when they do business, they're actually working with another Croatian or they're working with another Catholic mm. or something like that. So then how do we cross-fertilise each other? So, 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 for instance, the medical service, the, the, having their audits and finance people, why don't they have an Indigenous business? Yeah. Uh, if 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 the the Aboriginal community shire councils, uh, if 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 they're hiring at the, the uh, waste management company, why don't we have a regional uh, Indigenous waste management company doing that? And so that's how we can cross fertilize these things, which then creates jobs.
2: I totally agree, Warren. And and look, I mean, I think we need to have that diversity at at those areas, those local communities. The way we want to have the greatest amount of impact. And the point I sorry, I lost my train of thought earlier, but but I think part of the issue of course is that it's having that diversity in the ecosystem, in the in the sort of economy if you like, in local communities where and mm-hmm. also having indigenous business because they're important to that ecosystem because they can they they're actually they're the organizations that catch money, they're invested locally and they circulate money. And, and then more people who are Indigenous being employed again catch money and they circulate money in the in the economy. It's really simple economics. And I think part of the issue of course is that that to me if there's any kind of evaluation if anything we talk about the you know Indigenous procurement policy or any of the, the big stuff is that the strategies that are really big that measure big numbers are really great. But what they don't do is that they probably don't get granular enough. And we probably yeah. need to get granular. We need to get we need to understand the the life cycle and the behaviour of money and how it flows from the top all the way down to community because that's where the impact's at and maybe if you're talking about evaluation in that context I'd say yes I agree but to me it's more a tool of it enabling us to understand the behaviour and then improving it and tweaking it so that we get the impact where we want it and if that's what they're talking about in evaluation terms I'd be in that but if they're just talking about just being totally loose and not really guiding that direction and having a story, a narrative around what it is that they're trying to do, then I'm just going to be just as confused as I always have been about the, some of the stuff that we do. Um, so that's that's kind of the way I see it, is that I think it's driving that into the, into the point where communities leverage. You know the investment, the 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 policies, the strategies. They create the options, but all of that actually creates a benefit that actually is circulated and is retained by community because that's the asset growth that we want in in, in, in Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, yeah.
0: So, yeah. Well, at. Uh, uh, I think uh, we need to go and leave it at that point. This discussion is just really warming up. Uh, And look, uh, everything that was said tonight, I agree with the the whole process, what what you're talking about. Uh, My concern is if we're just going to have evaluations just for the sake of evaluations and and just planning for planning and doing plans and all that type of stuff, then quite frankly, we're wasting our time, as well as if we're just going to set up another bureaucracy uh, to, uh, to do the evaluations, to do the planning, then we're totally wasting our time. And if we're not going to focus on the different elements of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community, and I'm talking about the different regions, the different communities, and that which have different issues that they have to deal with, then we're wasting our time. And if we don't get investment, and we don't support small to medium businesses, and those, and 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 build capacity within those community organisations that are doing a good job out there, then we're wasting our time. Absolutely. On that th- uh, and that, yeah. and on that note, I'd like to thank you, thank you, um, uh, good James, and. Uh,
3: be careful,
0: Warren. This yeah. I like I'm, I, I'm telling you. When I I'm, I'm going to ask Peloshe not to open the border because I know if I get the <laughs> I get to Brisbane, you're going to punch me out. So anyway, anyway, Derek, good on you, and also Nancy, of course, the beautiful Nancy. You. Thank you for for your uh, for your comments tonight, and we'll be we'll be back again in the next week for another mundane's Truth Talking. Thank
3: thank you, and good night.